chapter 21, verses 12 and 13. When he heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And our second reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 to 8 and verse 22. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you to the worship team, and uh, thank you particularly to Ray for leading the service uh, this evening. And uh, it's, a, it's a real blessing to have Ray in the congregation to be able to do that. Let us pray. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, minister to us, we pray, in the words that are spoken, uh, in what is said tonight, and also what we hear on the video, we ask that you would lead us to lives of greater faithfulness, lives where we are challenged about our determination and passion in fulfilling the call you have placed on us. So speak, Holy Spirit, we pray. Your servants are listening. In the name of Jesus. Amen. As Ray mentioned at the start of the, of the service, this is the final of the series in uh, the journey of Paul, the life, the missionary journeys, the teachings, the things that he has done. And uh, we reach the last part, which is his, it covers quite a significant passage of time, the death and the, um, the burial and so on of this great apostle. The uh, series really has looked at this man who has lived, lived out his call with passion and determination. His legacy is one of being completely faithful to God. And uh, unfortunately, I couldn't possibly cover the, the whole section of time between the end of the last missionary journey and the end of Paul's life because it is a significant amount of time uh, would be needed to cover that, that period. But I would encourage you to go home either tonight or tomorrow and read from Acts chapter 21 right to the end of the book of Acts and do it all in one sitting because as you do so, you'll kind of get a, a feeling of the rhythm of what took place over this last period of Paul's life and uh, you'll, you'll get a sense of, of the difficulties that he faced and it would probably put into better perspective some of the things you'll hear from Adam Hamilton on the video tonight. One of the things that you'll discover is that is that Paul actually, uh, he came to uh, being tried for a, a crime that he really didn't commit. Coming to the end of his life, he was accused of something that never actually took place. He was accused of taking Gentiles into the inner courts of the temple, which was reserved only for Jews. 
and that was a, a crime that was punishable by death. Paul himself says that he never did it, and we would know, obviously, with being the learned scholar that he was, probably knowing more of the law than some of the Pharisees who were part of the temple wouldn't have uh, done something that would have caused such offense, particularly when he was trying to show that he was still uh, a connected Jew, still somebody who was passionate um, about his belief in the Jewish faith. But this is what he was accused of, and, and uh, it ultimately became an excuse for the Jewish leaders who, who really wanted to get rid of him for other reasons. And the reasons that they wanted to get rid of him were because they believed that regardless of if you were following this new way of Jesus or if you were still uh, looking to the old ways of Moses, they wanted everybody to fall in line with the Jewish law. So even Gentiles who believed, they would uh, have wanted them to fall in line with the Jewish law. And it bugged them no end that Paul taught that they were under grace and not under the law. That Paul taught that uh, they were saved by grace uh, through faith and not by adherence to some strict code that would keep them ceremonially clean. It bugged them that Paul taught that the specifics of their law were not actually binding and that it was more important that they lived out their lives in, in the spirit of how Jesus uh, lived out his life. The Jewish leaders at the time, they wanted the law to be binding because that was how they controlled the people. They, that was where they got their power from. And so they would say that the things like um, circumcision and the different laws about what you could and couldn't eat, as well as uh, how you would work on the Sabbath or not work on the Sabbath, those would uh, be really important still, and those are the kind of things they would maintain control over the people with. They would have to come to the priests and offer these sacrifices through them and pay money and, and all the rest. And so they were, they were pretty upset that Paul was teaching otherwise. In fact, they were so upset about it that they would actually send people to the towns that Paul was uh, visiting on his missionary journeys. They would send delegations to the churches that Paul had uh, started and set in place to kind of correct the teachings that Paul had done, to almost um, undo the work that, that he had started. And uh, many of the theologians or scholars, historians who have looked at this believe that these people waited until Paul had left the town or city before they moved in because they knew that they couldn't out-argue him. They knew they couldn't out-teach or out-preach him. And the only way they could uh, have any influence was once he was gone, they would come in and kind of start correcting his followers. Imagine how demoralizing that must have been for Paul to know every time you leave, somebody was coming in with the express intention of undoing the work that you've done. The uh, video will, will speak about different traditions of how, uh, what happened at the end of Paul's life. And there are, there are two kind of understandings of, of what took place in Rome. Paul went and stood trial for this particular crime. And uh, the first understanding is that he was found guilty and, 
and ultimately executed. He spent just over two years in Rome, though. He spent time in house arrest and was able to teach and preach during that time. He went then to prison and was, was then executed. The other tradition is that he was acquitted, that he was found not guilty and went on a fourth missionary journey. This is because there's a discrepancy of about two years in the timeline that... Um, uh, in terms of uh, the, the historian study of Paul's life, and, and many scholars assume that he went back to the churches where he was, uh, that he had started, checked in on them again, and actually went all the way up to Spain and did a missionary journey there. Whatever happened, he got, tried, he got uh, called back to Rome again, uh, went under trial, and was executed at that stage. So whichever tradition... Uh, um, is believed, and for me it's really the first one, and I think uh, that's kind of what Adam Hamilton uh, hints at as well. There is uh, the, the same things happen. The trial still takes place. The execution happens as it would have, because there's an incredible amount of um, church hist uh, historical um, evidence or tradition that will speak about the certainty of what we know happened to Paul in Rome. Not lots is written in Scripture, but uh, church tradition is pretty strong on this. And so in the video, there's a, a time when they, they actually go and see the, uh, the, the coffin or the sarcophagus where Paul is buried, and it's uh, just outside the, the walls in Rome. Debbie and I were fortunate enough to be able to see that. And uh, you can look through a glass window and see the side of it and a little piece on the on the, the top um, of, the, of the coffin as well. And uh, in 2005, the Vatican gave permission for archaeologists to actually excavate and open the coffin and, and, and see, you know, is church tradition correct? Is this the remains of Paul? And um, they did this. They opened the coffin. They, they tested the bones. They tested the carbon with carbon dating and all sorts of other methods. And... Uh, Although you could never say this is 100% poor, they found that it, the remains are, um, are, are it, it lines up exactly with the dates that Paul was, uh, was executed. So the likelihood and with the strong traditions that there are that this is the actual uh, remains of Paul are pretty strong. What's interesting though is, um, you know, given what Paul is facing in Rome and giving this understanding of of how people are moving in and undoing the work that he's done, uh, how demoralizing that might have been. It is in that time that he actually writes some of the most beautiful, incredible, encouraging words that we find in any of his letters. Um, sitting there in Rome, in prison possibly, writing these words, Rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How beautiful is that? How incredible to write those words when, when you think uh, he's facing death, it's just around the corner, in all likelihood he's, he's sitting in prison. Yet he speaks of this hope, this incredible sense of knowing that God will be in all things, even in the darkest moments. This last video for me is particularly 
uh, particularly lovely. It's, I think it's probably the, the best of all of them because it really rounds off the life of Paul, focusing on this incredible faithfulness and, and uh, always determined to live a Christ-like life. Adam Hamilton also goes to the prison, the Mamertine prison, which, um, which I showed you photos of in the very first of the, of the series where Debbie and I had, uh, had visited that prison. And uh, it's changed somewhat now. They've obviously done some work. You can't just go in and, and sit in the prison like we did. They've built a, a walkway that keeps you in, in, in a certain area. And, um, and they've obviously excavated because Adam is able to stand, which, which we weren't able to do. The video has, a, has a, a beautiful sense of kind of coming full circle. And uh, let's listen to Adam as he takes us through Paul's life. thousands of miles by sea and by land to be beaten, imprisoned, and ultimately beheaded for his faith. It was a call, a call to turn the world upside down. This is the story of the Apostle Paul, whose writings continue to shape the lives of one-third of the world's population, a man second only to Jesus in his impact and influence on the Christian faith and whose witness defines what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. When we last left Paul, he was in Ephesus. And after three years of public ministry in Ephesus, he finally makes his way back to the Holy Land. He makes his way back to Jerusalem by ship, stopping first at Caesarea Maritima, which is Caesarea by the sea. He then disembarks his ship, makes his way to Jerusalem, shares with the apostles the amazing things that God has done through his ministry to the Gentiles and with the Gentiles. And the apostles celebrate this, but they're worried that there is a, a large number of Jews who now have come to uh, believe that Paul is a traitor to his own people. And they've encouraged him to go to the temple and to demonstrate his faithfulness as a Jew. He goes to the temple, he makes a pledge. While he's there, some believe that he's brought a Gentile with him to the temple courts, to the Jewish section of the temple courts. They seize him, they arrest him, they accuse him of a crime worthy of, uh, of death. Um, he, he appears before the Jewish Sanhedrin to defend himself. He then appears before as a Roman citizen, before the Roman authorities. And in the midst of appearing before the Roman authorities, he appeals his case, which could end in death. He appeals his case to Rome. This was the right of a Roman citizen. He's kept in prison for a couple of years for some portion of that in Caesarea by the sea. He eventually boards a ship to Rome. Now this has been his dream is to go to Rome. He didn't anticipate going there as a prisoner. And as they set sail, they have challenges in, uh, by sea. They end up shipwrecked and, and Paul helps to save those who are aboard the ship. And then finally they make their way to Rome. They make their way here. I'm standing before the temple built by Augustus Caesar dedicated to Mars the Avenger. He built this temple after he'd avenged the death of Julius Caesar, and this was the Augustan Forum. And here in Rome, we're going to explore the last uh, years of Paul's life, and I'd like to take you to some of the sites that, uh, that you would see if you were walking in Paul's footsteps here. Let's explore Paul's journey in the city of Rome.
The book of Acts tells us that Paul was in Rome under house arrest for two years, during which time he was able to teach, he was able to entertain friends, uh, he was able to preach the prison guards and to share Christ with them, and uh, to anyone else who would come to meet with him. This church is built on top of the traditional site of the house where he was under house arrest for two years. If you go down in the bowels of the church, you'll see ruins of, of ancient homes from the first century period. So I'm going to take you inside and we're going to take a look and see the church and see the chapel built over the house where Paul taught. Let's go inside. This chapel is built over the place where the house was that was said to be Paul's residence for the two years that he was here in Rome. And, and uh, we remember how he made the most of every opportunity, that uh, he didn't stay in a position of lamenting the fact that he was in a prison and under house arrest. And certainly he didn't know how the trial would end up. Uh, there are two traditions of what happened after Paul's trial. One was that Paul was executed uh, after that trial. The other is that Paul was released he was able to pursue a ministry uh, going on to Spain and then finally brought back to Rome, tried once more and executed. This chapel is dedicated to his uh, two years in ministry here in Rome. So as Paul was taken from the place where he was kept under house arrest and brought to the place where he would be prepared for his execution, he would have been brought down this road. According to tradition, he was kept in the Mamertine prison and this roadway with the original Roman pavement led right to the Forum and to the Mamertine prison. On the left were shops and uh, places where you could change money. As you came in on the right was the Capitol buildings. And, uh, and then as you came down this walkway, Paul would have been brought here. And then from this place, he would have been taken down into the Mamertine prison. So I want to show you the Roman form that he would have seen. And I want to take you then into the Mamertine prison where he would have kept, been kept for several days before being let off to be executed. So let's go to the Roman form. So this is the Roman forum. This is the public square for the entire empire. This is where the power, uh, the political structures, the uh, economic structures, and the religious structures of the entire empire are really housed. This is the center of all of this. It was a magnificent public square. Now, across the forum, uh, just behind the arch of Septimus Severus, was an ancient prison uh, built perhaps as early as the sixth century before Christ. And this prison, we know it today as the Mamertine prison, is uh, tradition says the place where the apostles Peter and Paul were both kept in prison prior to their execution. And so let's go here. This is an important place in telling the story of the apostle Paul. Let's head across the forum to the Mamertine prison. We're standing here in the upper level of the Mamertine prison. And this was an ancient cistern that in the sixth century before Christ was converted into a prison. Prisoners were brought here just before their executions. And, uh, and in this place, tradition says that both Peter and Paul spent their last hours, their last days before they were executed. Now you see behind me the altar and the two pillars of the Christian faith, one on the left of the Apostle Peter holding the, kings, the keys to the kingdom, and on the right the Apostle Paul holding a sword. And you remember he was not only a, a soldier for Christ, he uses this imagery, and he, take, he talks about taking the sword of the Spirit, but he was also beheaded by a sword as a Roman citizen. What you see in the background are frescoes, and these frescoes date to the 12th century, perhaps before. Um, they're difficult to make out, but on this side you have the Apostle Paul. 
On this side, the Apostle Peter, Christ in the center, Mary off to the side. There are other frescoes in the room that date to the 14th century that capture uh, the same image of Jesus with the Apostles Peter and Paul. So this grate was lifted up and the prisoners were lowered down through the grate into the darkness and into the dampness of the Mamertine prison, the dungeon. And, uh, and as we look at this, I think about Paul writing his letters from prison. And when he talks about writing his letters from prison, you know, I imagine him in a dungeon like this. Now, he was under house arrest for a couple of years, and so he would have written letters while he was under house arrest. But if he wrote another letter here from this prison cell, uh, we can imagine him dictating those words out of the darkness down below to someone who would be writing it, taking it down above. Let's go down together into the Mamertine prison. Picture the Apostle Paul sitting here, or the Apostle Peter sitting here, and uh, waiting for their execution. This is death row here, and uh, days from sentencing to execution, and uh, hoping that he would have the courage, as he says in Philippians, that he would have the courage in facing death, his executioner. And uh, in this room, tradition says the Apostles Peter and Paul combined ended up leading two different jailers to Christ and 47 of their fellow prisoners who were here. And you can see the place where there's spring water still on the floor of this room. And they took the water and they baptized each of those people. And, uh, and there was a table, a makeshift table set up in this place. And, and it was said that they took their bread that was handed down through the shaft and, and uh, shared together the Eucharist with those who were in the prison. These were all early traditions of the church. But, but when I come down here, and I've had the privilege of being here several times where there was no one else in the room, and I've just sat here in the darkness with no light. And I've tried to imagine the Apostle Paul, his last days, and in 2 Timothy, we read these words from the Apostle Paul. I imagine him dictating them up through the hole in the floor, through the shaft through which he was lowered. And he says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearance. And he ends his epistle with these words, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul was taken from this place, the tradition says. He was taken to the place we call Trefontaine now. Uh, there's a beautiful abbey there, and I want to take you there. And he would have been kept for the final hours of, uh, of his life before he was executed and then executed at Trefontaine, and the church is built atop that place, and then finally taken to what's now known as St. Paul Beyond the Walls for his burial. So let's visit these places. This is the church called Scalacelli, and in the lower levels of the church is the place tradition has that Paul was kept in a prison cell in the hours leading up to his death. So let's go downstairs and let's see.
wanted you to have a chance to come and to see this space. Uh, not many of the pilgrims who come here from America um, end up making their way down here. I wanted you to have a chance to see it. Come on. This is the Church of Trefontaine, and the tradition was that Paul was executed and beheaded during the Emperor Nero's reign around 64 AD, when uh, uh, this place uh, is the place that the earliest Christians, as they begin to honor Paul, uh, came here to remember his death. He was beheaded, and there are three springs in this church that continue to function, and the tradition was that his head bounced three times, uh, and in each of those places, a spring sprung up from the ground. So let's go inside the church, and let's see the springs and the church that was built here. see in this image the column that Paul was said to have been uh, abused at, um, again uh, beaten uh, before he was put to death. And then here you see the place where after he was executed uh, you see the head of the Apostle Paul and this is one of the three springs inside the church and if you listen carefully you can hear the water. So Paul was taken from Trefontaine outside the city walls to this location. And the tradition goes back that Paul was buried in this location. And uh, so we're gonna go in to St. Paul's Beyond the Walls. Let's go inside. Inside this church, the Church of St. Paul's uh, Beyond the Walls, this is the holiest place in the church. So underneath the altar, St. Paul's sarcophagus, you'll also see chains that are purported to have been worn by the Apostle Paul. When you look around, you see every single pope represented in the seals on the walls, including the, the current pope. I love the, the mosaic behind the high altar that you see with Christ. And on his left, it's St. Luke and St. Paul. And then on his right is St. Peter and St. Andrew. So this is, this is where the church remembers the burial of the Apostle Paul. As we bring to a close our study of the life and message of the Apostle Paul, here in the location where Paul was buried, there are 
two things I want you to remember from this session. The first is how Paul faced adversity, how he faced suffering and tragedy. He came to Rome as a prisoner, and yet he saw it as an opportunity, that adversity was an opportunity placed in God's hands. God could force all things, he would force all things to work together for good for those who loved him and are called according to his purpose. And this is true in your life when you trust in the midst of the darkest circumstances, often the light of Christ shines most brightly. Then I would remind you that Paul faced death with hope. He faced death with hope because he knew, as a tent maker, he wrote these words, when this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building not made by human hands, eternal in the heavens. He believed that death had been swallowed up in victory. And he believed that Christ who was raised from the dead would also give life to our mortal bodies so that we were always people of hope. He believed that death was not the end, only the end of the beginning. And this is true for you, that Christ has been raised and we're people of hope. The Apostle Paul believed this and this brought joy in his life, which is what's captured in his letter to the Philippians as, as he wrote it from his prison cell in here in Rome. And I'd remind you of these words and invite you to live them. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, make your request known to God, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And finally, Paul said this, writing to the Philippians, but I believe writing to us as well, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Isn't that beautiful? I love the, I love the way where he says that uh, this is not the end, just the end of the beginning. And uh, Adam records in his book that accompanies the series, uh, of course the death wasn't the end of Paul, the churches he founded, the converts he made, the letters he wrote, the theological reflections he left behind would become the driving force of the Christian faith. Much of Christian theology would be shaped by Paul's words, and to read his words in Philippians that to live is Christ and to die is gain is both a challenge and a reminder that death has been swallowed up in victory. This is not only something we believe, but like Paul, something that we're counting on. Friends, I hope that the series has captured for you an overview of Paul's life, and I hope that it has been an, an inspirational snapshot of his faithfulness to God's call. I hope that uh, you feel inspired to hear God's call and to respond with that same sense of faithfulness and passion and determination that Paul did. Because <clears throat> God calls each of us to, to change the world. Maybe not in the most dramatic way as he called Paul, but we are called to follow him daily, to be an instrument of his love and grace, we are called to live, to give, to love, to serve. And as we answer that call, we will find that our lives and the world are indeed changed forever. So as we end the series, as Adam closed with the scripture in, in the video, may we hear the voice of Paul encouraging us with what we've learned in the last six weeks. Whatever you have learned or received from me or Whatever you've heard from me or seen in me, says Paul, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the life of Paul. We thank you for 
the way in which he answered the call, the way in which he was determined to live faithfully for you, to be a Christ-like example to all who came across his path. We thank you for the way in which we see there was never an opportunity that he missed to share of your love and of your faithfulness, faithfulness and of your grace uh, that you have for, for each and every person that we come across. Lord God, we pray that having watched the series and having journeyed through, through some of uh, what Paul has gone through, may it be for us uh, a, a call to be faithful to what you have called us to do in this world. May it be to us, Lord, a, a sense of, of inspiration that as we seek to live lives that build your kingdom in this place, we may too be determined that every person who comes across our path, every place you, you put us in, whether it be with family or with work colleagues or with friends or, or wherever we find ourselves, Lord God, may we always be reminded that we are instruments of, of your love, instruments of your peace and of your presence in this world. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, amen. We're going to close our service singing together the, the song, Send Me.